This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. All right, what's up, everyone? Uh, good to be here with you today. Uh, super excited about the series we are in. Uh, we are in a series, and we are going through the Word of God and just highlighting people in the Word and how God works in their lives. So here we go, part two of Epic uh, Tales of God and Humanity. And so if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 36, and we're going to look at somebody here in the Word of God again. I was going to actually cover like three different people because their stories aren't too long. There's not a lot of content in the Word about them. But once I got into this particular story, even though it's a short portion of scripture, there is a lot in here. So I literally couldn't go to the other two. So um, so I'm just apologizing in advance. Sorry, I'm, you only get one Bible character today. Maybe we'll do more than one next week. Um, but um, let's pray and then we will do this. Once again, Luke chapter two, starting at verse 36. So Father, we thank you today uh, for your word. We thank you, uh, Lord, for the people that are watching this right now. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that when we read your word, when, when, we, when we study it and we learn about what you did in people's lives, Lord, my prayer is that you will do the same in the people's lives that are here today and right now, that, Lord, we wouldn't just read an historical text, Father, but we would get revelation about how you're working in and through lives today and in and through our lives today. So Father, speak to us, encourage us, Lord, and uh, change us as we get into your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. So here we go. I'm gonna read this, Luke chapter two, verse 36, and I'm gonna read to 38. And it says here, now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Fenuel. Um, I hope I said that right. Um, of the tribe of Asher. Uh, she was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. She was only married seven years. Uh, 37, verse 37, and this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple and served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Verse 38, and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Um, and so here it is. We're gonna talk about Anna the prophetess. Uh, really powerful woman of God here. And there's a lot in here we're gonna just dive into. But just to provide some context of the situation, this was after Jesus was born and he was brought into the temple as all Jewish um, sons, uh, that's what they did. They brought him in. It's kind of like dedicating the, the child. That is what they did. The priest would take the child and dedicate right before this portion of scripture. Simeon uh, presumably is the priest that took the child and, and in essence, uh, in modern vernacular, dedicated him to the Lord. And um, here is this woman in the temple um, at this time. Um, and this is the, just very interesting here 
Um, and uh, I just want to encourage you that regardless of your past or what society has said about you or people or your history or um, whatever, whatever kind of environment you come out of, God still desires to use you. God still desires and has a plan for your life. And we're just gonna look at Anna's life here in context of, of her situation, um, you know, and what society said about her and how she had to process everything going on in her world and yet still seek the Lord in the middle of the drama, in the middle of the misunderstanding, in the middle of people's, uh, you know, approach or perspective of her in her condition and state. And so, um, you know, here's some things that might have, uh, that actually were kind of working against her at this time, to some degree. Number one, um, she was a woman, okay? So women in this time, like in a Jewish culture alone, women could not read certain books. They could not read the Talmud. They could not do that. There were certain things they were not allowed to do because they were women women period she was a jew but even as a jewish woman even even in god's people there were limitations on her life because she was a woman uh number two she was only married this is just heartbreaking if you really think about it she was only married for seven years then a widow and for the rest of her life the bible says she was 84 years old and she was a widow widow pretty much her whole adult life um they got married very young back then she was only married for seven years her husband died and she's a widow, okay? Um, and so widows in that time, they legally, a widow, a Jewish widow even, okay, could not legally receive the inheritance of her husband's estate. She had no rights. She was literally, would need to be taken care of. She, widows were, and I, I think that's great that there were things in the law to take care of widows, but there was also limitations on that, that they were taken care of, but they weren't empowered to, to make a life of their own. They weren't, they weren't empowered in that way. They were, people would serve them, even in Jewish culture. It was, even in the New Testament talks about take care of widows, which is great and beautiful, but that wasn't the most empowering of situations, okay? So her only hope of worldly success or achievement would be if she got married again because it would come through her husband. And as a result of being married, this woman did not get remarried. So in essence, that was the state of her life. That was her condition according to religion and society at the time, okay? And she wasn't, um, you know, and if you just look at that, it limited her in a sense from worldly achievement or accolades. She wasn't considered notable or, uh, you know, or noble from a worldly perspective. All right. So there were a lot of things that this woman had to deal with from the world, society, and even religion. All right. She wasn't, um, you know, obviously she wasn't among the celebrated uh, for some sort of achievement, some sort of worldly influence. Um, not that influence and achievement are bad, uh, but this wasn't something she had access to in a worldly perspective. Nor does the Bible talk about her great leadership or communication skills. Just none. She could have had these things, but there was no outlet for them for her being that she was a woman 
and a widow, okay? And, and, and those things. And obviously just being hurt personally, losing her husband after seven years. But the Bible says in verse 36, now there was one Anna, a prophetess. And so that right there just really blows my mind that this woman was in this state according to religion and society, but God still anointed her to be a prophetess, okay? And, and we'll kind of get into what all that means, but think about this, that God still chooses and anoints people even when society and the environment of what they came out of would say that they wouldn't get that from man, but it came from God. God anointed her to be a prophetess. And this is my first point, is God chooses foolish things. I'm not saying Anna was foolish. I'm saying from the world's perspective, uh, to anoint somebody that society wouldn't even honor to some degree um, was is foolish, is foolish. Look at this, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. God chooses foolish things. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. It's amazing that this woman, Anna, was still called by God and used by God. Verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and God has chosen the weak things. This woman was considered weak, needy. She was chosen. God chose the weak things. Think about God's selection process here. It is foolishness to the world. And I want to encourage you that you don't need to be this or be that or have this or have that or, you know, you don't need those things for God to love you, for God to call you and for God to anoint you. God chooses whom he wills and he's going to do it at times. It is apparently so that God chooses things that are against the way culture would choose, against the way the world would choose, against the way society would choose, against the way even a religious environment would choose, all right? He has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 28. So 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 28. Let's move on here to verse 28. And the base things of the world um, and the things which are despised, despised, God has chosen. I actually want to do a sermon series in the near future. I want to call it foolery. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's nothing to do with what we're preaching here. Well, it does, because look at, this is how God chooses. I want to call that, I know it's not a real word, but I like it. But I want to do a sermon series called foolery. Uh, the, the madness of God's message, message and his method. Because the Bible says it's the preaching of the gospel that's foolishness and the, God's selection process from a worldly perspective is foolish. It will never line up with what we think and how we think it should be done. God chooses the foolish things of the world, the base things, all right? What, still, let's keep reading here. Verse 28, which are despised, these things which are despised, God has chosen and the things which are not, 
There's a lot of things about Anna's life that were not. There were a lot of things. She was not married. She did not have a husband. She did, she did not have something uh, from a worldly perspective and from other people's opinion of her to offer anything. She was, she was of the have-nots, okay? And the things that are not what God chooses these people to bring to nothing the things that are. Uh, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Verse 30, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, but of him you are in Christ who, become, who became for us, became for us. This is the point, that you can be a, you can be a have not, you could have not, but God will be that for you. You can, you can uh, potentially be despised, but God will, God will uh, choose you. He will select you. You can be base uh, from a worldly perspective, but God will raise you up. You can be foolish from some people's perspective. Your past, your history, your the, the your upbringing can people live and say that man, that's foolish. But God will choose the foolish, and He will use you to confound what everybody thinks is wise. I love this. I love this about God that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, all those things. Verse 31, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. So once again, God chooses foolish things. All right, let, let's let Anna's story just be the prime example of this. And she was a prophetess. She had the authority in the spirit to hear from God, to be insightful, to speak forth the word of the Lord. And God anoints, here's my next point, God anoints broken people. I mean, uh, God anoints broken people, you know. Uh, blessed are the broken in spirit, right? You know, um, you know, he is with those that are a broken and contrite heart. A broken and contrite heart, he will not despise. God pours oil on the broken. He, he, he validates and affirms and blesses the broken. That's what this um, series is all about, is, is tales of God and humanity. And humanity in our human nature, we are broken, we are in need, we have issues, we have troubles, we have things we're working on. We have things God wants to bring us out of. We have things we've come out of. I mean, humanity, there is no superhuman out there. Out, you know, that we are all broken. We all need Jesus. We are all base things. We are all foolish things. But God chooses and blesses and validates us like he did this woman. Now, for God to take a widow, a woman in this, gener in, in this particular generation, and make her a prophetess. I mean, look at this. This is the definition of prophetess. So think about the foolishness of what this woman may look like to people in society, the world, and religion, and think about what God put on her life. This isn't my definition. I literally, this is the Greek definition of prophetess. It's an interpreter or fourth tarot or fourth teller of the divine will. Talk about anointing. One who speaks forth by the inspiration of God, declares the mind and message of God. Think about who God chose to do this for him in her generation. Speaks forth his message for a particular situation. Someone inspired by God to foretell or tell forth the word of God. 
this broken woman was anointed and appointed to be a prophetess. So powerful. It's so uh, interesting too, because it does go, the word of God specifically goes out of the way, if I could say that, and says she's from the tribe of Asher. And, and there was a blessing, blessing on that tribe of prosperity, of blessing and favor. And one of the blessings was spoken by Moses over the tribe of Asher. And when they spoke blessings, the blessing was given to somebody in a generation. But God blesses from generation to generation. So that's what you call a generational blessing. I know we say that word a lot in, 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 in church circles and generational blessing. But God, that's, that, it's not that it's a generational blessing. It's how God blesses. If he blesses you, his intention is to bless your children and your children's children. God blesses generationally. So when God speaks a blessing over you, he's really blessing your grandchildren. When God blesses you, the, his intention is that the generations after you will be blessed. When God blesses us as a church, my heart and my intention for Hope Land Church is that there's a generational, there's God's blessing on it. If God's blessing is on this house and this community, it will far outlive my personal life and the lives of those that are a part of it right now because it's a blessing. It's how God blesses. So check this out. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 24, this was a blessing that Moses spoke over the tribe of Asher. And when God spoke it, he knew that there would be a woman named Anna. God knew that this blessing would reach generations down the line. And it says of this, and of Asher, he said, Asher is most blessed of sons. Let him be favored by his brothers and let him dip his feet in oil, which represents the blessing of God, the anointing of God. So God spoke a blessing on this tribe and this people and she's connected to them and that blessing flowed through the generations on her and here she is in the house of God, a prophetess, a prophetess of God, an interpreter of the will of God, able to communicate and, and, and speak forth the divine will. So powerful, so powerful. Um, here it is, here's something from my notes here. Her past, nor the limitations placed on her by religion and society, kept her from walking in the anointing on her life. And I'm here to tell you right now, when God puts his hands on you, society has to watch and listen. When God puts his hands on you, people are gonna, people have to turn their head. This isn't about you trying to do something, you having to even fight through things per se. But when God puts his hand on you and validates you, uh, you, you the society, the world, and people will recognize it. It is how God operates, regardless of her past, her hurt, her life, being alone. She was anointed and God put her, his hand on her and she is in the word of God. She is in here, all right? She is in here. And, and I, I wanna say this here. We, we need some more Annas to rise up in the, in the house of God. We, we, need, we need Annas to rise up. And we, you know, this is so powerful that none of those things kept her from her pursuit of God. None of those things kept her from the anointing on her life. None of those things kept her from changing things in her generation. None of those things kept, um, kept her from the blessing of God and the favor of God, all right? So it says there in, um, it says it, she did not depart from the temple. 
all right? She did not depart from the temple. 84 years old, she did not depart from the temple. This woman valued the presence of God, valued the house of God, valued the will of God, valued the plan of God. Uh, you know, uh, we need Annas in this generation. I don't just mean women, to, I just mean with this kind of heart and spirit, regardless of what was going on around her, she did not depart from the, the temple. People with a consistency and commitment to the house of God, man, her commitment was pure. Um, it had nothing to do with anything other than her radical devotion to God. It had nothing to do with some sort of achievement because those things were limited in her society. It had everything to do with her heart for God. She did not depart from the temple. And here's my third point, is God rewards faithful people. He rewards faithful people. Um, she did not depart. And In Psalm 23, verse six, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, all the days of my life. This, is, this woman lived this scripture all the days, 84 years old, widowed, seven years married from a young girl, widowed after seven years. Presumably in her early 20s, she was widowed and now she's 84 and she did not depart from the house of God. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, all the days of my life. And I will, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right. So once again, I'm going to read it again because this scripture just says it all. This is Anna right here. We want this heart, uh, people of God. She did not depart from the temple. And it says, Psalm 23, verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Why? All the days of my life. Why? Why is goodness and mercy there? Think about the goodness of God on this woman's life. Think about the excuses she could have came up with. Think about the excuses. Think, I mean, she had reason to be hurt, reason to be offended with God, potentially. Could you imagine being married seven years, your husband died? She had reason, um, but she didn't use that reason to, 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 to get her out of the will of God, to get her out of the house of God. She dwelled in the house of the Lord forever, all the days of her life. Here's the next thing in that verse. It says she served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She served God. Not only did she not depart from the temple, but she served God with fastings and prayers night and day. I love that. That's how she served. That's how she served. She went after God. And so the way she served um, God uh, through fastings and prayers, um, you know, that's how she served. That was the way she did. So it wasn't about her being seen or, or, or getting some sort of accolades. It was about her intimacy with, with the Lord. Um, that is how she served, man. This woman was consistent and faithful and, um, and she served um, in the house of God. So beautiful, man. Um, Colossians chapter three, verse 24. It says this, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. So God rewards faithful people. Um, that is God's method of reward. And think about the reward of this woman. What if she wasn't faithful? What if she didn't dwell in the house? What if she refused to do that? And she had a moment here. She got to see the Savior 
and she knew who he was. And imagine even the disciples that Jesus walked with, there were times where they were questioning who he was. This woman knew who Jesus was, the Messiah. She knew, she knew she was there in the temple when he was dedicated. She was in the midst. Think about her faithfulness connected her to Jesus. And if you think about this, the Bible, um, theologians say uh, that, that Simeon and Anna, or Anna really, is the last prophetess of the old covenant because in essence, Jesus had not yet died was not buried, risen again, and the Holy Spirit coming, right? So she was a prophetess coming uh, from, uh, actually in, 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 his, in history, she, she's sitting uh, you know, before Christ as a prophetess in the house of God. She, she's in that place. And so here it is, she got to see the Savior before she went to be in heaven. She got, she was rewarded with being in the presence of the Savior because of her faithfulness. Right? So here we go. Let's go to uh, verse 38. Luke chapter 2, verse 38. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. I'm going to read it one more time. Luke chapter 2, verse 38. This is the last verse you'll hear about her in scripture. And coming in that instant, Right there, here's Jesus, the Messiah, baby Jesus in the temple. She gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And so I just wanna go back quickly here. God chooses foolish things. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. God anoints broken people and God rewards faithful people. And this is my last point. Spirit-led people are the most impactful people. And I wanna break this down because as a prophetess, she was close to the Lord. She fasted, she prayed. She was in tune with the Spirit of God. She was being led by the Spirit of God. She was hearing from God. I mean, she was positioned in, in, in God's timeline to be at a place in time when the Savior was brought into the temple to be dedicated. And she knew who it was. She knew in that moment, the Bible says, coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to those um, who were looking for redemption in Israel. So being a prophetess, um, this is so powerful because she spoke to those that were looking for redemption. She was able to know by the spirit of God who to talk to and what to say and who to say to. And, I, and I, I believe we need more of that as, as, as Christ followers, that we know what to say to who, that sometimes, um, uh, you know, it, we could have our, a right heart towards something or, or about the truth of the word. But if, if, if what we're saying and how we're saying it is, um, is just not producing fruit, many times that's because it's in a religious approach. She had fruit. She knew who to talk to, those that were ripe. The, the, they were ripe. They were looking for redemption. So she knew who was ready to hear about the Savior. She spoke to those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. They, 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 were, they were there. They were ready. And she's, she's telling them, I've seen him. He is here. So she, was, you know, being a prophetess, she was exact in what she said to who and when. 
Uh, we need more of that. I believe if we do what Anna did, spend time in the temple, in the presence of God, fasting and praying and spending time with the Lord in our intimacy, I believe that we will be the most impactful when we share Christ with others. We will be um, in the right place at the right time, talking to the right person about the right thing, in the right place at the right time, talking to the right person about the right thing. We need to be spirit-led people. We need to know, we need to, we need to be led. I know there's time, we just need to follow God and obey and go after him and tell people about Jesus. But I believe there are divine appointments for you to share Christ with others and they are ripe, they are ready. And sometimes it's just a seed. Sometimes you wanna reap a harvest in a moment and you just need to sow seed. Sow a seed of the love of God, of serving somebody, loving somebody, that the timing is everything. And so uh, when we are seeking God, you know, even the normal affairs of life, God is leading us and empowering us. Uh, when we seek the Lord and spend time with him, uh, like Anna did, when we go out and live our life, when we head out on a Monday, we are in the spirit, being led by the spirit. God is bringing divine appointments to us and there's people in our life we're called to speak to because they might not understand everything, but they're looking for love. They're looking for hope. They are looking for an answer. They're looking for you know forgiveness. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking for security and you have everything they need in Christ. And in that moment, what is it you're called to tell them? What is it you're called to do in that moment? Once again, it, the Bible says she spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And I just want to share this as we just close out today, um, that um, a recent situation happened like that, like this with us. Um, uh, in, in just uh, reaching out to our local community and, and, um, and distributing food is uh, my wife um, and I followed some local organizations here in Boyle Heights. And one of them posted up that they could not uh, do a diaper drop. They couldn't hand out diapers a particular weekend. And they were doing this. Um, and my wife said, saw it and said, let's go buy um, them some diapers. Let's just go buy boxes of diapers and bring them over to the YMCA so they can distribute the following week. And um, it's just a very natural need. She saw a need. She wasn't trying to over-spiritualize it. She's just like, let's do that. Um, and um, as a result of that one act, as we have connected to multiple organizations in our community, and God has opened the doors for us to serve way more people than we could ever do in and of ourselves. And I believe it's due in part to my wife just simply hearing, seeing a need and filling it and just being at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing. It's not that we're, oh, we're so special and we did this. No, I'm just saying that it was just a simple act. Go buy some diapers and drop them off. It's just in that moment, we could look back and go, wow, that was God leading us because there were other, there were other, opportunities to serve at a higher level and, and to serve more people that we had no idea were there. And so when you're led by the Spirit of God, God's going to move. And, 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 you know, God's favor is, is on the faithful, is on the faithful. So let's, let's, let's do this, church. Let's be Spirit-led people because when we're led by the Spirit, we're going to change our world. 
We, we, it's not about us. It's not about us doing all the right things in a religious sense. It's about being led by the Spirit and, and watch what He does when we obey, even sometimes that still small voice. So Father, I just pray for everybody here today. I pray that this word just live in them. I pray that they would rise up and be like an Anna, that they'd be faithful to you and seek you regardless of their past, regardless of what they've been through. And Lord, you would favor them and give them open doors to, to share Jesus with people in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. My prayer is that you will change your world as a result of what you listen to today. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings and remember to follow us on social media. Peace.